Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to The Health Project, a series of podcasts that will answer all your questions on health, fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, everything about health. I'm your host, Shwetamri Shetty, and I will be bringing in a new expert every episode to talk about health and to inspire you to live a better, stronger, and healthier life. Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Health Project. I'm your host, Shwetamri Shetty. Now, through this podcast, like always, we're going to share and talk about different aspects of health. I mean, a lot of these topics either don't get spoken very often or there's so much information available online that one is confused who to trust, who not to. And I have a very, very special guest today, the expert, and it's a subject or a topic that's not often spoken about, right? Because uh, when we talk about fitness or when we talk about health, a lot of it stops at fitness. But being healthy and being fit leads to so many other things apart from just feeling good and looking a certain way, right? Now, our guest today is a functional hormone specialist, Dr. Mahesh. Now, he will be talking about the importance of fitness for natural conception. And I say natural conception because today we see IVF and so many other formats of treatment for you know, conceiving. Uh, we just wanted to deep dive into the importance of fitness and health and how it does not have to be so tough or arduous and you can actually naturally conceive if you have some patience and if you have the right guidance, right? And this subject is important for both men and women. Because I must tell you this, Dr. Mahesh, that when we spoke about this subject, right, uh, fitness and for natural conception, one of the first thing was, isn't it too women-centric? And I'm like, no, it's not. I mean, it, when, when it comes to conceiving, it, it's, it takes two hands to clap, right? Absolutely. So it's not just really about uh, it being for women. Both men and women should be listening to these podcasts. A little bit of an intro by Dr. Mahesh before we go straight in. Mahesh Jairaman is the co-founder of Sipalika, a women's hormone health clinic. Now, it's treated close to or over 100,000 uh, patients till date on a variety of you know, different issues like PCOD, uh, irregular and painful periods, cystic issues, infertility, obesity, menopausal problems, and I think I can go on. But more about Dr. Mahesh is you know, in text on the podcast details. So we don't want to delay any further. We want to make use of the 30 minutes that we have in hand. So I'm going to go straight in and talk to Dr. Mahesh about fitness for natural conception. Before I start, though, um, I, want to, I want to ask you rather, I've had a very late pregnancy, but I feel like a big part of a good pregnancy was because my husband and I both believe a lot in being fit and healthy, and we kind of took care of our health. So even when we had a very late pregnancy, it was quite smooth. We didn't have to struggle much. We did have the thought of IVF, though, because we're like, what if it's not possible? But we said we need to give it a shot. Uh, everything went great. And I feel that a lot of the reason is because we really took care of our health. We took care of our fitness, our nutrition, and all of that. Do you think I'm right in saying that? Absolutely. So, you know, yeah. thanks so much for that intro and for everything that you said, because it rang so many bells, which are all true. See, we tell all the people who come to us, 
nature has only two dictums for all human beings. It wants you to be in great health and it wants you to be happy. That part we call preservation. And it wants you to create the next generation. That part we call procreation. These are the only two things nature wants you to do. Your career, your gadi, your bangla is all things that are man-made, right? So if somewhere you're having fertility issues, it's very likely that your own fitness and your own health is not as great as it should be. Mm. Because if this is fantastic, the surplus energy is going to let you create a new life. Yes. That's the simple common sense. And absolutely, the fact that you and your husband took your fitness seriously and you worked on it, literally, the ways in there are so many ways in which fitness contributes towards better fertility and natural conception. And one of the simplest things for all of us to understand is that when you're feeling fit and full of energy, your mm. brain can sense it, your reproductive system can sense it, mm. and it produces the best quality eggs, the best quality sperm. And when those two fuse together, it forms an embryo. And if the mother is then in great health from there on, you're going to have a painless pregnancy and you're going to uh, you know, see the entire process the way nature meant it to be yes. for two fit people to produce a new life. That's the, that's the whole idea. So absolutely spot on in what you did. Yes. Um, like today, right, we see that natural conception, of course, everyone's you know, trying and putting in the effort, but because there are so many alternative methods, people are kind of saying, it's probably not, you know, so important to keep trying. You do it for three, four, five months, and if you feel like it's a failed effort, then you just quickly move on. According to you, how important is natural conception? I know um, through IVF and everything else, with all due respect to whoever's, you know, started it and everything, People are successfully getting pregnant. The after effects, nobody really knows of what the mom later on has to go through. But how crucial, I know it's a nature's thing, but how important and crucial it is to really work on natural conception. No, I think it's 100% it's important. And the beauty of it is if you work towards your own fitness and you try for natural conception, and if there aren't any structural issues, you know, sometimes there are blocked fallopian tubes and real reasons why somebody needs an IVF. Got it. Okay, so there could be a situation where you have certain structural deformities due yes. to which you cannot conceive naturally. Leaving those exceptions aside, hmm. nowadays you're absolutely right. Couples try for three months, six months, a year tops. And remember, nowadays we are making decisions about starting a family a little later in life. Hmm. Both the man and the woman want to be decently settled in their career. So it's often around 33, 34 that the conversation begins to happen. By the time they're 35 and they're ready to start, they're already being warned that their fertility is going downhill. So under these circumstances, people get pushed into IVF very soon. Yes. The natural selection process of natural conception is, is so crucial that it can give your baby such a wonderful head start. Mm. I'll tell you something. These are statistics which are out in the public domain, but people don't really know them. The rejection rate in human beings is so high that only 30% of actual embryos or conceptions that happen make it to live birth. 70% of conceptions do not make it. You know, so that's the statistics from the world's leading experts on repeated pregnancy losses and why losses happen. Yeah. The reason that this is done by nature itself 
is because if there is some genetic fault in the embryo that's been created because either either of the parents was not fit enough mm. or they're carrying DNA that's going to cause the baby to be a burden on itself and on the family and society, nature has a way of switching it off. Mm. And that is what you lose when you go outside of natural conception. And like you said, no doubt IVF does deliver results. But here again, some statistics are important to know. A lot of people think that you go for an IVF round and it's like, uh, you know, at the most a 16 week process. That's what they think it is. Hey, I'll go for some stimulation. My eggs will be removed an embryo will be created. It'll get put back inside me and voila, I'm pregnant. That's not quite how it happens. The success rate in IVF in the best clinics in the world is between 15 to 30 percent. Wow. That means if 10 couples are doing IVF at the same time, the likelihood is that two of them or three of them may succeed. And that statistic again tells you there is a lot that nature does by itself, which we still don't know how to mimic in the IVF lab. Yeah. So we are not able to do a lot of those things. And these days, again, you know, I often tell my patients, if with a headache, the first person you go to is not a GP and you don't try any home remedies, you know, mm -hmm. the olden days, what was the escalation? True. You had a headache, you try some home remedy, you try some ginger water, granny told you something, you keep a cold compress. Yes. If that doesn't work, then you go to the GP who's next door. The GP does, you know, basic stuff for you, looks at your digestion. Is that why you got a headache? And you would kind of mostly fix yourself. These days, what do we do? We all have the economic means. So the first thing we do is go to a multi-specialty hospital and we go to the neurologist for the headache. Now, if you go to the neurologist for a headache, then you're going to get neurological medicine. Medicines, yes. So if so many couples come to us and say, the gynecologist has told us IVF is the only option for us. And my first question to them is, was that a gynecologist in your colony or did you go to an IVF hospital and meet a gynecologist there? Mm. It's often the latter because they have self-selected for infertility as their problem. So they went to an IVF clinic. Now, why would an IVF clinic not see every problem as an IVF problem. True. So that's the kind of self-selection due to which people seem to be getting into IVF and IUI and things like that far earlier in the game. Yes. Trying for three months, trying for six months is not enough. That's number one. Number two, if you work on your foundations and your fitness, mm. even that six months can be enough. Yes. The beauty of it is nature wants a healthy person to have a child. So the healthier you get, the better are your chances of natural conception. And so that's the part where you need to show again, you know, I was smiling throughout your intro because all the things you said, if we have a little patience and this is, you know, the tough one yeah. because we're all, you know, come in galloping on horses. You know, we have patients who come in and say, we can't give six months to a natural fertility program. You know, we go for IVF. They tell us, you know, it's going to be two rounds at the most and we're going to get it done. I said, look at the statistics, that's number one. And number two, if you gave yourself these six months, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. You'll come out on the other side in fantastic health. Yeah. So even your IVF is going to go better. So why would you not, not want to, to work yes. on your foundations? Yes. Because remember, all assisted reproduction techniques involve hormonal injections, mm. hormonal medicines that your body then struggles to deal with. Absolutely. If you have better core health and core fitness, even if, God forbid, because of structural issues, you need to do an IVF, you will still handle yeah. those meds better. The after effects are fewer. True. You don't have issues during pregnancy. There's a whole bunch of good stuff that happens.
No, so, I couldn't agree more because I, while you were saying all this, I was actually thinking of a few people that I know who've gone through IVF, you know, one of them being very fit who had to go through IVF, one of them being not so fit and the difference in way both of these moms are dealing with it post the baby. Yes. Right. You're right. It, it differs. The fact that you're fit and healthy can make a difference with or without IVF, right? Absolutely. But I, uh, going a little deep into the whole need for fitness and good health for natural conception, I came across some information that you had shared on, uh, you know, social media on Sipalika, where you spoke about obesity and how uh, it can impact, you know, um, men, right, with sperm production and women. I just want you to give us a little more inf information on that and what would your advice be for people who are unhealthy or unfit or obese who want to then look at, you know, it's not even about natural conception, just want to think about or start the thought of pregnancy. Absolutely. And again, the research is overwhelming on this, Gosh. right? So much that despite us being primarily a online fertility clinic, if somebody comes in at a BMI that's above 27, we first request them to go on to our weight loss program. Mm. We say it doesn't have to be with us. We've got the facility, but if you'd like to do it with anybody, no problem. As yeah. long as it isn't crash dieting, as long as it's healthy weight loss and you get into fitness, just dropping those two points on BMI from a 27 to a 25 yeah. can make such a big difference. And this is proven in research studies. So what you mentioned, we found that obese men, and this is a medical definition of obesity, which is a BMI above 29, yeah. the sperm quality declines substantially. And it's not just with the gentlemen, with the ladies as well. As well yeah. And here's what happens, right? Especially in Indians and Southeast Asians, when we have obesity around the midriff, yes. abdominal obesity, that the fat cells in that area begin secreting their own hormones. This is not known to many people. Mm. So in a lady, when her period cycle, there's a particular hormone. So we know estrogen in the first half, yeah. progesterone yeah. in the second half and so on. But imagine a lady who's carrying so much weight around her midriff mm. or in her thighs or in her buttocks or all these hormone sensitive areas. This yeah. is extra weight. Those fat cells begin secreting their own form of estrogen. So now you've got a lady who ideally in the second phase after ovulation in her period cycle, she should have progesterone, which supports pregnancy, which supports conception. True. And instead her fat cells are putting in estrogen into the system. So you're going to have relative estrogen dominance. So these are some of the mechanisms of action. That's one thing. A second thing that happens again, which is very interesting, is that beyond a certain BMI, mm. the body begins to think that this is, you're basically trying to, uh, you know, sort of line up your fat cells for a famine. So it's got its own mechanism, which, you know, um, Dr. David Perlmutter is an allopathic MD who's written a beautiful book called Drop Acid. It's just come out in 2022. And Drop Acid is all about how uric acid becomes a little switch with which the body then begins to decide it's in hibernation mode. It's, you know, it's the old Game of Thrones, winter is coming. That's what yeah. your body says. So it says winter is coming and I must store more fat away and I should not focus on reproduction. There's going to be a lack of resources. So let's salt it all away and keep it for later. And once this person begins to burn their fat again and famine is no longer there, we let them reproduce. Oh. 
So the body's got these beautiful checks and balances and mechanisms. So just like it can lead to negative effects, yeah. dropping those two points of BMI, dropping five or six kgs if you're in that weight class, immediately changes the ovulation quality of the lady. The period becomes regular, ovulation happens naturally. For the gentleman, we've seen sperm quality improve. So on the Sibalika program, for example, first 90 days, we say, keep the reproductive system aside. Let's work only on your metabolic health. Yes. We'll make you fit, we'll make you burn your energy properly. And when we do that for 90 days, the, the difference between the baseline test, whether it's sperm or egg quality, and 90 days later, the same thing, you can see a night and day difference. Wow. You know, many times the gynecs who, you know, they're consulting with locally can't believe it's the same person. And this, all this change to their reproductive system happened without us even touching the reproductive system. All we did was help them lose weight, eat healthy, get fitter, sleep better, digest food, absorb food, and that's it. See, again, I keep telling people, we can turn reproduction into this very fancy, technical, test tubes and injections yes. and this, that and the other. But the truth is nature wants you to do it by itself. You just have to remove the obstacles from the path and nature delights in making you a parent. There is nothing else that nature wants. It wants you to produce the next generation. So just remove some of these fitness, weight, metabolic obstacles out of the way and stuff happens by itself. And that's the beauty. Yeah, because just very recently I was having this conversation with this is post-workout conversation and every day it's like a podcast by itself. We're like four of us and we spoke about how maybe just our grandparents, not even too far back, right? They just kept producing, you know, like eight and nine and 13. And in, in the process, they would even lose two or three and it probably wouldn't bother them so much. But it was so simple. Yeah. Just making babies and delivering babies was such a simple process. And we make it look like, oh my God, the world has come crashing down. Absolutely. And you know, part of this is because obviously to support people who truly need this kind of help, an industry has developed, right? Yeah. So the first test tube baby has turned 41 last year. 40, I think she's 40 or 41 now. That means the technology began 40 years ago. Yes. And it was an enabling technology. And the first few years of IVF, it used to... You literally had to sell your house to get an IVF round. And now, you know, at a lakh or a lakh and a quarter, or at the most lakh and a half in one of the big hospitals, you can get an IVF round. So it's become far more affordable. And because of this, again, the supply has also generated its own demand. Yeah. We've all become restless, like, like we discussed. Three months, six months, you're done. Go for IVF. The advice and the pressure from friends and family and everybody is all the same. Why don't you meet somebody? My cousin had a daughter with this person. You know, somebody yes. else had a son with this person. Go to this doctor and so on. So I feel, you know, again, studies are lacking to show is our IVF babies in any way not as healthy as mm. normal babies. This study is not really getting done. I haven't seen the kind of research. I remember reading about six, seven years back, one study that kind of had tracked um, some of these uh, babies and they found that the risk for high blood pressure, not mm. high blood pressure itself, but the risk markers for high blood pressure seemed a lot higher in IVF babies than in, uh, in babies that were conceived naturally. This right. was a small study, it was a right. pilot study, and I have no doubt that the IVF industry made sure that it was buried deep and never found again. You know, so some of these things can have other um, reasons why things happen. 
But again, we're not against IUI or IVF, yeah. but use it when it's really needed. Okay, That's number one. You know, um, the other thing is, let's say you have diabetes, right? So you, you have two pathways for diabetes. We all know now there are mainstream allopathic doctors who tell us diabetes is reversible. It's a lifestyle and dietary disease. Absolutely. Change your lifestyle, change your diet, and your diabetes can be fully reversed. Yes. You can take that pathway. Or you can say, no, I'm not going to do anything to my core health. Instead, I'm going to start diabetes medicines. And then you, you're okay with the first medicine. It's usually a metformin. It's great. It's an insulin sensitizer, all of that. Three years down the line, now your sugar is not getting controlled by that one medicine because you've continued to eat the same diet. True. You've continued to have the same terrible lifestyle. The fire has grown. So the same fire engine isn't going to work anymore. Now you introduce the second class of diabetes medication. And that one's a little stronger. And doctor warns you, be careful. This one can push your blood sugar really down. So what's the answer? Eat more food. So the answer first up was that you were eating too much food. Yeah. And the answer now is to keep eating food because the medicine will push your blood sugar down and you may become low blood sugar or hypoglycemic. Help, yeah. So now you've gotten stuck into eating meals at, you know, in five meals or six meals because you take your meds after them. And now another three years later, the same blood sugar, which is quote unquote under control and never was under control, now begins to damage your fingers. So you start getting pins and needles. Lots of diabetics get what's called pillow walking. Yes. They feel like they can't have sensation at the bottom. What happens now? They refer you to a neurologist. The neurologist now adds nerve medicines to your diabetes medicines. And now that's going to be another medicine you need to take. Again, you know, you continue down that pathway, it's going to touch your eyes for diabetic retinopathy, your kidneys for diabetic nephropathy, and so on. So on. All of this is because at that starting point, you had a choice between fixing your diet and lifestyle. Again, not to starve or to no. you know, never have a sweet again in your life, Absolutely. but just be in moderation, get into some level of fitness. That was one pathway. This is another pathway. They both started at the same place, but that little three degree divergence at the start, in 10 years time, it's a 60 degree divergence. One person's gone towards health, the other person's gone towards illness. Yes. And this is the difference, right, in whether you take a natural approach and fitness absolutely, approach. Absolutely, absolutely. And talking about, I mean, we're not going to talk too much about diabetes, right? But at the rate the numbers are increasing in our country at a far younger age, pre-diabetic and diabetes, it's, it's quite shocking. So I'm sure that will be a blocker for... Oh, yes. Uh, conception as yeah. well. And it happens again in both the sexes. Yeah. In the women, if they have insulin resistance, it leads to PCOS or polycystic ovary disease, yes. which means the lady is unable to produce or release an egg regularly in a period cycle. Therefore, she's unable to conceive. Okay. That's for the woman. For the man, we have found whenever there are diabetics, even if they are on medication, the sperm quality suffers 100%. Yeah. There are research studies that very clearly show that if you do not address the diabetes in a man, the sperm will either have motility issues or it'll have morphology issues. And therefore, again, conception becomes a problem. Our answer to everything is, oh, that doesn't matter. We'll fix it in IVF. You know, if there are a million sperm, we'll take out the 10 sperm that don't the have best. any of these problems and we'll inject it and get away with it. It never works like that. No, but uh, it's so clear that you have to first fix your health before you even conceive at whatever age. Absolutely. But speaking about IVF, right? Uh, like you said, anyone can probably resort to it in three, six months of trying to do naturally. What 
is your opinion if I'm obese and, you know, I don't even bother much about trying to naturally conceive, I straight away go into IVF. Yeah. And so, then, yeah, despite obesity or whatever else, I still conceive because they will make absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We've, we see enough cases like this, right? And again, there's no judgment involved, right? right? There are reasons why people are unable to lose weight or unable to, you know, make those lifestyle changes. But here's what happens in such a case, right? So you, you forget about your um, obesity and your remaining health issues and you power your way through IVF and you fall pregnant. The first thing that begins to happen to such women is that in the first trimester of pregnancy, the obesity presents a greater risk for miscarriage. This is number mm. one. This is statistically shown that mm. women with that kind of obesity are going to lose a greater number of pregnancies within the first trimester. That's number one. Number two, in the second trimester, these women have risk for two big conditions that begin to happen. One is um, gestational diabetes. Yes. So you, you will develop as your body tries to prioritize the blood sugar and send it to the baby, the mother begins to develop diabetes. And if she goes in with obesity to begin with, there's already the loaded gun. So she will most likely develop gestational diabetes. That means you've started on medication for life. And you've started it at a time when there's a baby in the belly. Yeah. So there's a medicine that's going everywhere, right? So it's not that simple. Uh, we again pretend that it's all very safe and all very fine, but we still don't have enough research to show that that is 100% true. The second big problem that happens is um, hypertension that happens to such ladies. Again, the risks for hypertension are far greater with obesity during pregnancy. And this again poses risk to the fetus in the second trimester as well. So premature delivery, preeclampsia, mm. all of these problems can happen to somebody who's obese and then develops hypertension during this time. Third thing that happens is hypothyroidism. What many women don't know is that the baby doesn't have its own thyroid gland mm. till the end of the second trimester and the start of the third trimester. Right. So the baby is literally drawing down on the mother's thyroid reserves for its own needs. Correct. So if the lady enters in with obesity, usually there is a hidden hypothyroidism in there. And now the already lower thyroid hormone is being drawn by the baby as well. So by the time they're in the middle of the second trimester, they will develop full-blown hypothyroidism. So they get put on thyronorm or thyroid medication yeah. for the rest of their life. Finally, reaching the last trimester, the delivery itself is far more complicated with obesity. Not just in terms of the space, but the labor pains, uh, you know, whether the baby has ample space yeah. to uh, be able to come out. The number of complications that come in with that single condition of obesity that you chose to ignore and power your way through to IVF will put you on bed rest for a large part of the pregnancy. It's not really going to be a healthy or a pleasant pregnancy for you. True. And then once the baby is delivered, whatever happens, the rest of it is still going to be so much yes. trouble, right? Yes. Mother's now going to eat for two. She needs to have enough resources for lactation. All the family is going to feed her dry fruits and rich stuff. And the obesity is going to get even more. So look at some of the you know young people. I see people in malls and in restaurants and I see the baby stroller and I see the ayah and I see the mother and I know that she went into pregnancy without being truly fit or yeah. truly healthy. And you know, that's kind of showing now in the postpartum and how the, I can just see the baby fat's not going to go. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, these are thoughts that go 
through my head when I see, you know, a mom and a baby and I see mom not being able to work on herself. And obviously that's going to lead to depression, anxiety, because you're not able to, everything just changes, right? With the baby and with so much of body fat, it's just so difficult. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, uh, it's a lot of work to do, a lot of things to solve. Um, but I think this information that you have given us today, I'm, I'm hoping a lot of people listen and take it very seriously because the bottom line is if you can take care of your fitness and health, then even if you delay your pregnancy a little bit, it's still all possible. Absolutely. You know, so our dream for Sepalika is that, you know, we, we want every couple at their wedding to yeah. be given a Sepalika gift certificate. And, you know, whenever they're ready to start the family, give your body and give us or any experts you choose six months to guide you into the best health possible. Yes. Remember, you're laying the foundation for the baby's health for the rest of the baby's life. That's how important these six months are. It's not about taking a little break from work and how will I manage my maternity leave. You know, Many times the peripheral issues take primary importance. But just imagine you're building a house that's going to last a lifetime. And you're not paying attention to the raw materials, your egg, the gentleman's sperm. You're not paying atten any attention to how good quality that is. And you just create any embryo at random and you expect you know, nature to somehow take care and create a healthy baby. But if you spend those six months working on the foundations, yeah. what a healthy foundation you're going to give your baby for the rest of the baby's life. That's the way to think about it. Yes. Give your body those six months, get a little bit fitter. Again, we're not saying everybody needs to do HIIT no. and, you know, work out. Yeah. It doesn't have to be weights and everything, but you should be truly fit. You should be able to, you know, run and catch a bus. You should be able to take two flights of stairs without, you know, panting and puffing. Your blood sugar shouldn't be higher than it needs to be. Yeah. You should be sleeping well, digesting well. Just fix that level of fitness and your baby will thank you for the rest of its life. Absolutely. No, I fully agree with you, Dr. Mej. I think uh, keeping yourself fit and healthy is not so hard. Like you said, you don't have to go crazy at the gym. Right. Some of us do excuse us for that. But we've been we all started slow. It's been a decade. So we, but it's actually quite a simple process. And I always tell everyone that just walk every day, yeah. you know, walk 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening. And that can keep you fairly fit and healthy. Absolutely. Right. So, yeah. yeah that's it doesn't all. have to be so tough. But any um, final do's and don'ts for our listeners and viewers who probably will think of, you know, starting out a family in years to come or months to come. Uh, one is do not lose patience and do not lose hope. Six months is hardly any time, right? I would say Absolutely. give more than six months. Absolutely. And six months, if you can focus on your health, miracles can happen. Oh. But yeah, yeah. It, it, it takes true. 90 days for a real transformation to yes. happen from like, Back to fit. Absolutely. Like I've seen 90 days transformation, but that's extreme. But we're talking about uh, six months, which yeah. is... And the beauty of it is even those 90 days. See, red blood cells completely turn over in 90 days. Mm. That's the reason why when you do an HbA1c test, which is a three-month average yeah. of your blood sugar, yeah. you repeat it only after three months. Got it. It takes, th you know, three months. So yes. three months, if you've taken care of your nutrition, if you've done some fitness, if you're eliminating waste well, 
the blood that carries all the nutrition to every single organ, including your reproductive organs, that blood has changed. Mm, that will it. now touch everything and produce health over the next three months. So give yourself those six months, three months to really turn over the RBCs into a new healthy red blood cells and another three months for it to touch everything and to produce health. And you're going to you're going to see the results. That to me is the simplest message for everybody, you know. Yes. So. Uh, don't 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 rush in. Trust your body. Give it a little bit of uh, the right materials, and it delights in making you a parent. You know Absolutely. that's the nature of it. Yeah, I think don't rush is such an important thing to take away from here because you are creating a new life. You know, and it's not the choice of the baby. The baby probably doesn't want to come in. You are bringing the baby in, and if you rush into the process and end up not having a very healthy baby, it's not the baby's fault. Yep. yep. It's the parents who chose to bring an unhealthy baby into this world. And that baby has to survive on its own at some point. Very much so. Right? You know, so, it's the difference between, you can wake up one morning and say, hey, I'm going to run the Mumbai Marathon. You'll probably make it past the finish line, but you're going to collapse and you're going to take two months to recover. If you trained a little for, you know, going from a 2K to a 5K yeah. to a 7K, you're going to truly enjoy that run and you're going to finish with flying colors and you're really going to enjoy it and the results are going to be positive all around. Absolutely. That's the way, you know. So don't wake up one morning and say, tomorrow I want to be a parent. Yeah. Look at your health. Think of it as a little bit of a marathon because you're setting the baby's compass and health for the rest of its life. Yeah. Give it a little time. Everything yeah. will work out. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Mahesh. This has been a wonderful conversation and I hope uh, everyone listening and watching You've enjoyed this thoroughly, enjoyed or rather had great takeaways from it. And we would love for you to share with as many people. Uh, but yeah, we're hoping to do more uh, with uh, Dr. Mahesh and with, you know, Sipalika being a part of it uh, because their methodology is very, very simple and clear. Everything is natural and everything is what the nature is capable of doing. And I think what I've learned from him is that food is medicine. Food can be your best healer for literally everything. So allow food and fitness to do the magic of natural conception before you try anything else and don't rush, right? Thank you so much for being here and sharing everything that you could. And for you, please go ahead and share and leave your feedback for us at hello at cultfit.in. Uh, yeah, and share all your love on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you are. And don't forget to, you know, subscribe to our podcast, share with us about what else you would want to listen to. And for now, we're going to sign off and give Dr. Mahesh a break. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and watching. See you in the next episode. Bye-bye.